0: Good morning, church family. Morning. Just want to say uh, thank you so much, Jason, for your prayer. And it's such a blessing to me, to my family, to be part of such a loving church ohana. And uh, if uh, uh, if emotion comes through from me this morning, it's, uh, I care about the elections, but not that much. But um, <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm all emotionally wrought about the elections and the political climate. Um, It really is, I got a text on my way to church this morning from my sister in Calgary saying, Mom is quite likely very uh, near passing, and uh, my heart is to be with her, uh, to be gathering with family around her bedside, and uh, we haven't been able to travel because of the covid thing to be with her so that's where my heart is at Um, my body's here and i want to be faithful to the lord here but just so you know and again i deeply appreciate your prayers and um, mom uh, is a wonderful amazing woman and um, we're all as a family so happy she is ready to be with jesus and uh, we're happy for her to be released with jesus Um, but we of course want to be with her during that transition so Thank you again for your prayers, your support, your love. Uh, it means a lot to to uh, me and to Martha and to our family. Well, as you know, Tuesday's election Sunday, and um, this season uh, both parties uh, have been telling us um, that this is the most important election of our lives, and they they could well be right um, the uh, The Republicans tell us that a vote for Joe Biden and the Democrats will launch our country to lose our prosperity become a socialistic nation and the ruin of the united states um, pretty much their message the democrats tell us that if you vote for donald trump that you are selling away the soul of our nation and uh, this is about character and and uh, the social and moral fabric of our nation is becoming undone under uh, president trump's leadership in either case it's kind of headed for ruin and uh, so not to take that lightly but i think in all reality this is uh, perhaps the most important election of uh, our generation. And um, it has, as we've noticed, and you couldn't help but notice, we've never seen the nation so divided, so filled with animosity and hostility, and it affects our relationships for some of us as family, for some of us certainly at work where people don't even want to talk about politics because of the, flat, you know, the, um, the pushback that can happen, uh, the community. Um, and here's the thing. I just realized this morning, it's not going to go away on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, it's going to continue. And uh, we're, if you've been watching the news, there are places in our country that are actually boarding up businesses and shutting down major streets in anticipation of Tuesday night because whatever happens, there's expected riots and uh, demonstrations and violence. And this I mean, when, when have you seen that happen um, quite like this year? All to say... This is a season, if you will, that's going to continue where we followers of Jesus need to think deeply and Christianly about the whole arena of politics. That uh, there has never been a more important time for us as Christ followers to think Christianly about politics. And that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We started by realizing that Jesus, King Jesus... Um, established a new political party. That's not overstating it. When Jesus showed up on the planet, he says, the kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe the good news. What he was in essence saying is that God's rule was entering into human history in a new and a powerful way through Jesus because he's the king. The king showed up in bodily form. And he said, you want to enter my kingdom? Then follow me. Put your faith in me. Change the direction of your life put your faith in me and obey me and follow me as your king. That's in essence Jesus establishing a new community, a new family, and yes, a new political party. He's the king. And his kinship transcends any political party, any government, any country on earth. So we saw when he went into the temple, the son of God, the heaven's king, rightfully came and exerted his authority in the temple and and, and, and uh, with the political parties that was there and, and the political powers that were struggling to rule the nation at the time, Jesus said, I have not come to take sides with Republicans, with Democrats, with Libertarians, with Vegetarians. <laughs> he says, I have not come to take sides. I've come to take over. The king is entering into the temple which was rightfully under his authority. And... Um, That's what Jesus did. He established, he created a new political, and you and I as followers of Jesus are in that party. It's called the King Jesus Party, and that's our starting point. Our citizenship is in heaven. We have a heavenly king who's returning, and that's the political lens that we should see around us. Now, when we, so application, we should never define ourselves as according to a human political party. We should not define ourselves as a Republican, or as a Democrat, or as a liberal. We should define ourselves as a King Jesus follower. That's foundational. And when we do that, it will affect all of our lenses in which we view politics. And so that's what we've done over the last few weeks. And let me just remind you again that when we identify with Jesus as our King, then we will look at politics through the lens of love and unity Because Jesus says, this is my political party, that you love one another as I have loved you self-sacrificially. And he prayed for the diversity of all of his followers, that they would be one, that they would know complete unity so that people would know that Jesus came from the Father and is filled with the love of the Father and shares his love with the Father. And so when we identify with Jesus as king, we look at politics through the the lens of love and unity, and we should never let a relationship erode over political stuff because Jesus says relationships are primary, love and unity. And when you identify with Jesus, not only do you look at politics through the lens of love and unity, but you look at politics through the lens of power. But what a contrast in political power and Jesus' power. Jesus' power is self-sacrifice. It's laying down your life for another. And so Jesus, and you don't have to surrender your, uh, your kingdom values to do that. Jesus didn't surrender his kingdom values, but he said, I've come not to exercise political power. I've come to serve and to give my life for others. And that self-sacrificing, that's how we change the world. We follow Jesus by following his example and recognizing that power in Jesus' kingdom is the power of of pouring your life out for other people. And then when you identify with Jesus' political party, with King Jesus, then you also look at politics through the lens of mission and realize what is our mission? Our mission is not to change the world through political mandates and policies. This is very, very important. It's to change the world by bringing people to Jesus. Jesus came with a ministry of reconciliation. And so we look at our mission and follow Jesus in his mission of reconciliation. He came to reconcile people to God and reconcile people to each other. Peace with God and peace with each other in this new community. That's our mission. You understand how significant that is? Because Jesus came and he didn't, his primary mission wasn't against slavery, which was an evil of his day. It wasn't against... um, The Roman law allowed people to to, uh, leave their children out to die. They weren't allowed to kill them directly, but they were allowed to leave them out to die. That was legal. And yet, uh, that wasn't Jesus' mission. Those are evils, and I'm not saying that they're not important and followers of Christ should care about things. We should. But here's how it helps me. It realizes the mission of our church is not to legislate away abortion or to try and change gay marriage. That's not our mission. Our mission is to draw people to Jesus and then allow Him to change their lives. That's the mission of the church. And um, so, are these political issues important? Yes, but it doesn't change our mission. Our mission will not change to try and address primarily the social evils of our day. And there are social evils of our day, just as there were in Paul's day. Have you ever wondered why the Apostle Paul never preached against slavery. Now, slavery in the first century world wasn't as bad as um, slavery in in North America's history, but it was still slavery. And yet you won't find in the New Testament uh, uh, preaching against slavery. Why? Because what he does is he preaches Jesus to a slave owner, and he preaches Jesus to a slave, and he allows Jesus to change their lives, and ultimately the culture gets changed one person at a time as people come under the kingship of Jesus that's our mission and we should not lose sight of that with all of the political stuff our mission will always be to be representatives of jesus and bring reconciliation draw people to jesus and then let him change our lives just like he's changed your life and he's changed my life and he's changing us but he changes the culture through changing people and our mission is the good news of jesus so when we, when we identify with King Jesus, we look at politics through all of these lenses, lenses of our faith, lenses of our faith. This morning what we're going to look at is the lens of values, the lens of values, because here's the thing, Jesus says, you followers of mine, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, which is a way of saying you have the opportunity and the calling to influence the world for God and for good. Now he says that in the Sermon on the Mount and I don't want to uh, overestimate voting because what he says is you change the world by living out the values that Jesus teaches in his sermon. We have poor in spirit, merciful, appetites for righteousness, hungering and thirst. That's how we are salt and light in the world but as an application when we have the opportunity to vote we can exercise an influence for good and for God in our culture and we should be reminded that not every country throughout history, not every country on the planet today has the opportunity to choose its leaders. Do you realize that's a gift from God? We have a gift to choose our leaders. If you live in communist China, you don't get to choose your leaders. You live in a lot of other countries, you don't get to choose your... We have the gift to choose our leaders. And to me, it's it's irresponsible not to exercise that gift. That's why we encourage every Christian to vote. And by the way, can I just say this? Uh, Many of us have already voted... But those of us who haven't voted, um, until Tuesday, you can still drop your ballot off in that uh, big bin next to Times Marketplace. You can go down to Honolulu Halle, and if you haven't voted yet, I would hardly encourage you to do that. And if your friends, family haven't voted, please do so, because it is an opportunity for us to to, um, affect, to influence our culture, our country, with kingdom values. That's the whole value of voting. And when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, what he's talking about, this has direct implication on our politics because he says salt in Jesus' day was primarily a preservative. We might not get that, but it was primarily a preservative. They didn't have fridges. <laughs> they didn't have freezers. So how did they keep um, meat from, from um, deteriorating, from decaying, from rotting? They used salt. They would salt it down. It was a preservative. So if you were a fisherman in Galilee and you caught some fish and you wanted to sell them in the markets in Jerusalem, if you just put it on your donkey and walk down there probably in the sun, it would rot. And so what you would do in the few hours it got to, so you would salt it down to preserve it so it wouldn't deteriorate, so it wouldn't rot. That's what salt was. He's saying in a decaying culture, and believe me, we're living in a decaying culture, you Christians, you Christ followers, you are that which brings preservative, preserving influence in a deter- by representing kingdom values. The picture of light is the same way. You're the light of the world. You have the opportunity to reflect the light of Jesus into a world that is dark. And there is evil in our culture. And you have the opportunity to push back the darkness, if you will, to shine the light of Jesus. And again, in far more important ways than voting, but voting is an opportunity for us to do that. So the question is, how do we vote kingdom values? We need to approach politics with all of these lenses, self-sacrifice, power that gives our lives for others, love, unity, all of these things are part of Jesus' kingdom, but we also need to try and exercise kingdom values, and we can do that in our vote. Now, as I thought about it this last week, um... I believe you can divide the political issues into two areas, two categories, if you will. There are some categories, there are some kingdom values that could be applied, and you could have difference of view, between Democrat and Republican. And Christians can have honest disagreements about which party best carries out those kingdom values. And um, so I think that's just fair. But there are some... And we'll look at them this morning that I'll point to you that are kingdom values that are really in one party much more than the other. Now, my my, uh, place here this morning is not to tell you who to vote for or how to vote. Um, But my place is to help you see God's kingdom values and help align them with which party best represents them. And so that I have no... uh, uh, hesitations to do that at all. God's kingdom values are very clear. There are some where we can have a meaningful debate and even a difference among Christians about whether uh, which party best embodies and represents those kingdom values. So let me look at them with you in those two categories and I I hope to be simple uh, in in pointing that out. Let me also say this. Uh, We've made available to you uh, what I find is a very helpful thing. A voter prayer guide. Uh, It's In your sermon notes, it's on our website, Um, it's accessible to you. And what it does, it's just a Christian group that looks at the various political issues. And what I find um, objective about this is they look at the various issues and they quote the parties themselves. So this isn't one group saying, oh, that's a bad party or that's a bad. They just quote the parties themselves, the Democrat Party, what they're on record in print, the Republican Party, their view in print, and so you can look at those issues and say, well, this is what the Republicans stand for, this is what the Democrats stand for, because most of our, let's face it, we don't spend our lives investigating political issues and political parties. So a resource like this that sort of summarizes up is very helpful, and I would uh, encourage you to take a look at it. We've tried to make it available to you. Uh, That's a helpful resource because we want to be informed. We want to be rightfully informed about what the parties actually stand for, what the candidates actually stand for, and how kingdom values line up with those parties or don't, okay? So let me look very quickly at several um, political issues that I believe fit in the category of you can have a Christian viewpoint on either one of these and have a meaningful disagreement. That's okay. And this, that launches us into the love and unity thing. We can agree to disagree on some political issues. And still love each other Uh, and uh, that will be the win by the way Uh, i don't know what will happen on tuesday and hopefully it'll happen closer than tuesday but one party's going to prevail with one one with more votes jesus party will prevail regardless of who the president is or what party when people love and are united that's the win in jesus party when we live out his prayer to be completely one even though we may have some Differing of views on some political issues. So very quickly, here it is. Political issues where kingdom values may side with either party. By the way, we've mentioned in previous weeks, neither of the two parties have exclusive dominion on kingdom values. Neither of the parties have all of the kingdom values line up best on their side. And so in many of these uh, places, there are uh, room for discussion, for differences of view. And some of that, let's be honest, is just being well-informed of what those parties are. But even when you're well-informed, you, you may well have Christians with some different views on some of these issues. So very quickly, we're not going to try and solve all the political issues, but recognize the environment. That's a kingdom value. God's the creator. He created the heavens and the earth. He created man and woman as his representatives on earth to exercise his dominion. We should be good stewards of God's world, his planet. The question is, are the Republican policies or the Democrat policies better for caring for the environment? Well, I think you can have a meaningful dialogue there, and you might have some Christians with different views on that. That's not going to be the, everybody agree on, on, on uh, that. We agree on the kingdom value, but Christians may have some different views about which party best carries out those values. Another one is health care. Now, this is an interesting one. Talk about a kingdom value. Jesus said, he summed up his Sermon on the Mount by saying this, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's a kingdom value. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, don't you want good medical care? Don't you want good medical care for other... Wouldn't you, if you want good medical care for yourself, you should care for good medical care for other people. The question is, that's the kingdom value, is which party is going to implement that better? And I think there's going to be some different views on that um, among Christians. And I'm a little bit sensitive to this one because many of you know I spent a lot of my years in Canada, grew up there... Uh, served there for 10 years in a pastor. before we made so i've lived under socialized medicine i can still remember well, in 1996 when our family moved to um to hawaii i was paying 76 dollars medical care for my entire families <laughs> four children and two, se- how many of you would like to have a medical plan for 76 bucks a month <laughs> I, I see a few hands go up now So I saw some of the, that's socialized medicine, and you all know, you you pay for it one way or the other. In Canada, you pay for it with much higher taxes, because that has to be paid for somehow, so you pay for it through your taxes, and then, but moved to the U.S. and lived under privatized, since I've lived in the U.S., I've been blessed that my employer provides our medical insurance, but the cost is much more than 76 bucks a month, and I've seen the advantages of both systems I've lived under the advantages of both systems and I don't want to take the time this morning but we could sit down and have a conversation about which is best, socialized medicine privatized method, I kind of say isn't there someone smart who could figure out a combination where everybody gets good medical care but we haven't been able to do that and we need politicians that are problem solvers, my point is simply this you can have Christians agree to disagree on how to best care for people in their medical care Um, I don't think we're going to get absolute unity in the Christian church on that issue. And so there's a third one here, education. Is that important? Yes. Interestingly enough, the kingdom value in the scriptures places it on the parents. Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians, it's parents who are most responsible, or parents under God are called to raise their children spiritually. And yeah, we live in a country where many send their children to public education for that part we never abrogate the spiritual responsibility God gives us for their education for their raising in the Lord but from what I understand the democrats mainly or largely because of the union say you know we're not for open school choice and charter schools and different options whereas the republicans are saying no we're for people having their choice and using their tax dollars to send their kids to whatever school they want well, we can have a debate with that and, Honestly, if you uh, come from a background and family of education and your family members are part of a union, you might be shaded towards that. Otherwise, you may have a different view. But Christians can agree to disagree on that kingdom value of how best to educate our children. Another one, the economy. Now, interesting enough, when you look at the kingdom value as God built it into Israel, who was a country... You realize that um, the Old Testament had this thing called the year of jubilee, which reflects God's heart. Every 50 years, the, le- the playing field was made level economically. If you had gotten in a situation where you'd had to rent out your land, then that had to come back to you and your family because that was your economic livelihood. If you had got into financial trouble and had to um, sell yourself as a slave to work for somebody else, every 50 years, it all got... Every 50 years, equality was legislated into Israel the interesting thing is there's no record of Israel ever out doing that there's no record of them actually applying that it's there in the law they just never did it but it does to me reflect that God's intention economically isn't for there to be billionaires and very poor people um, and that's a problem in our society and you know both parties say well we've got the best plan for the middle class we've got the best plan for the middle class We can have an economic, the kingdom value is um, equality, and economic uh, blessing for all people. And so the question is, which party's best going to do that? And I would say to you, the Democrats have their view, the Republicans have their view. Um, Republicans emphasize um, more free enterprise and less government regulations and less taxes, and the Democrats say, no, we're gonna uh, make it more fair for people with more social programs and more government and more taxes, and um, just to be honest with you, part of this most recent cycle has been the Democrat Party, I think, has rightfully been observed to say, but it's, it's not the Democrat Party of, of previous decades because there's been this whole socialized influence. Bernie Sanders, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Has some very strong um, economic views about socialism and so you have to look at how that's worked in other countries. All of that to say you can have Christians agreeing to disagree about which is the best economic policy that brings equality and fairness and prosperity to all people and um, you can have Christians with different views on that. I'm not an economist and most of us aren't uh, but uh, you would have, I believe, even Christian economists having different views about what's the best thing for our country. Another one, racial injustice. Is that important? Yes, God creates all people in his image. And as I've tried to understand the different parties, I see sort of a glass half empty, glass half full. You know, the, uh, the de- Democrats say we've got this terrible sin in our country of, of racism and, and, and um, it's syst- uh, systemic racism and we have to do away with that. It's sort of like... Uh, the negative part, uh, the glass half empty. The Republicans say, um, you know what, we live in a great country, and yes, racism is still there, and we still need to work to get away with it. Uh, Nobody I know of says there is no racism in our country, but you have two parties that emphasize maybe the more positive aspects, the more negative aspects, and, and different views of how we try and do away with racism. The kingdom value is treating all people with dignity and respect and yes your political viewpoint might be shaped with that i've shared with you i was, you know when the george floyd thing came up to listen to black pastors and uh, black christians <laughs> brothers and sisters in christ talk about what the police mean in their community versus my experience very different very different and we need to listen to each other and um, and and see if this is a terrible thing and how do we eradicate it from our culture And the political parties will have some different viewpoints on that. I don't think one is totally kingdom and the other one is not. Different views. And you'll have different Christians agreeing or disagreeing about the best way to implement that. Economic justice, the same thing. And we've sort of talked about that. Which party, which candidate, which platform will best bring economic prosperity for all people? Immigration. (laughs) Well, if you care about other people and... um, you know, you treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Of course, you would want to be generous in immigration coming into the country. My 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 background, my parents, my grandparents on both sides were immigrants to Canada, and 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 my family has benefited from the the uh, the the, uh, the benefits of, of of immigration. And and then when I met and married Martha, I had the opportunity to immigrate to the United States, and so I know the the value of immigration. And so I try and say, well, which party is, is best? Well, open borders doesn't make sense to me because there, there must be some, I mean, how can you run a country where people can just come across the border and, and, and start living here and, and all of that doesn't make a lot of sense to me and, and yet um, ways in which we can meaningfully be generous to let people across the border and through a process that I went through, um, that others have gone through. So the question is, again, which party has the best immigration policy, and we can have some different views. All of these are examples of where Christians can agree to disagree in love. And we can disagree politically and love unconditionally. That's part of our calling in Christ. That's part of living under Jesus' kingship in his political party. Now here's one more, and this one may be more controversial. Character. The character of the president. Uh, The character of political leaders. That's a kingdom value. Because um, God cares about the heart and he cares about the character. And there's many passages we could look in the scriptures, Old Testament and New, about the character of the king or the character of the leaders in the church. Character matters to God. So how would you apply that into our present current climate? And, and uh, last week we um, put up on screen and, and shared John Piper's view that, and many many Christians feel this way, how can I vote for Donald Trump on the character issue. And I think we need to be honest about that. We also need to be honest about Joe Biden's character. And I would suggest to you my own conclusion, and I think is isn't just Pastor Rick's opinion, I think the, the evidence, the fact shows we've got two presidential, chara- two presidential candidates, both have character issues. And so I don't think you can solve it by saying, well, we've got all the character on this side and all, no character on it. No. It's not that easy. It's more complicated. So I don't want to review it, but last week uh, we uh, put up on the screen John Piper, if you know him, he had written an article basically taking the Christian viewpoint of I could never vote for Trump on the character issue. And I can just remind you he, uh, what, what John Piper pointed out, he's unrepentant sexual immorality. Well, I put a question by that unrepentant because everyone knows Trump's background filled with sexual immorality. But I'm not aware. I don't think there's any evidence that he's been sexually immoral while he's been in office. So I don't think that's fair to say it's unrepentant. Secondly, um, unrepentant boastfulness. Well, everybody knows Donald Trump is a bully and he's arrogant. Uh, that's his style. He's a bull in the china shop. To me, he says some things that that uh, gets himself in more trouble and and allows critics to come out. He just says some really dumb things. Um, unrepentant vulgarity. Again, bullying, name calling. <laughs> Um, this is what he does, and we should not minimize that. We should not rationalize that. None of us should want to raise our kids to be bullies and name-callers and arrogant and, and all of those kinds of things. We should not minimize those things. Uh, and then he says, unrepentant factiousness. Well, again, uh, he does say things that stirs up trouble. He uh, would not come under the category of, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, which Jesus says, that's one of my kingdom values, Okay so my point is those things are real and their character flaws and although we may like and, and agree with uh, the values of the republican party we should not minimize calling out the sins of political leaders jesus didn't paul the ba- or uh, john the baptist spoke publicly about the sins of political leaders It happened to get john the baptist beheaded but uh, there's a place for christians not in self-righteousness, not in pride, but just in humility and truthfulness, speaking the truth in love, say these are serious character flaws. Okay? Um, But I want to point out this morning uh, that Donald Trump has character flaws, Joe Biden has character flaws. You may not hear those as much because I think most of us objectively realize the press is very much in favor of the Democratic Party and Joe Biden. So you don't hear these things as much, and I'll give you some direct evidence. But... What are some of uh, Joe Biden's uh, character flaws? Well, I picked these up by uh, a blogger, a Christian blogger who is a brother with John Piper, but he said if you want to talk about Biden or uh, Trump's sins and give them the New Testament words, here are some of Biden's, and I think these are accurate. He calls them political expedients or cosmicos, that Biden has a track record of kind of being influenced by others and changing his views. One example is the Hyde Amendment. For years he was against the hyde amendment and then he's flipped and that's the one that that um uh prevents public or tax funds to go and pay for abortion he changed his view on that and why would he do that well political expediency and i think there's other examples could be given where biden has changed his views based on the political winds of the day that's not a good thing And uh, I don't (laughs) mind saying, just even the court packing thing. For weeks he says, I'm not going to tell you my view. You're not entitled to my view. Hang on a second. Have the courage to say what your view would actually be. And then most recently he says, well, I'll have a commission to figure it out. What's he doing? He is playing to the the voices in his political party. And uh, he's being influenced by others rather than having the courage to stand for his own views. I think that's a fair character flaw that we see in his track record. There's a second one that this other blogger pointed out, disobedience, or, you know, the Greek word is there. What what are you talking about disobedience? Well, Joe Biden is a professing Catholic. Now, to be a Catholic means to come under the authority of the church, and the church gets its teaching both from the scriptures and the magisterium. The Catholic hold to, you know, the, the teaching of the church for generations. We as Protestants say, no, we just go to the scriptures. But in either case, Joe Biden, a professing professing Christian, professing Catholic, says uh, just that. That's his own profession of his faith, but he's disobedient to his own faith because he's pro-abortion and the Catholic Church and the scriptures are against abortion. And um, so there's a character flaw. How you can say I'm under the authority of the church, but I don't obey the church. Uh, I don't obey the teaching of the scriptures. There's a character flaw. Um, Faithlessness the um is that again uh related to that he's he's not living out the faith he professes if he professes a catholic faith based on the church based on the scriptures and then practices something different he's not really practicing that faith these are fair i believe character flaws for a man who could be leading our president this last one um corruption biblical word new testament word diafthora okay it's become apparent in the past few weeks that uh, Joe Biden has been involved with financial dealings with his family that have profited their family millions and millions of dollars. Okay? Don't take my word for this. The, the documentable public evidence is out there. And for years we heard, you know, his son, uh, Joe, was on the board of, um, or his son, Hunter, was on the board of Burisma. And... Um, He was making i heard anywhere from fifty thousand to eighty three thousand dollars a month everyone realized he had no background in um the ukraine and business he had no background in the energy india there was one reason he was on that board and making a lot of money and he admitted to it in an in an interview where he said it's it's because i'm joe biden's son now can i just challenge you in your own kingdom values and thinking because this is what I saw the press saying, and I'm, I'm going to call out politicians, I'm going to call out... I saw Anderson Cooper with CNN on one of the uh, Democrat shows say, hey, we all know your son um, was with Barisma, and he was making all this money, but he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't break any laws. And my question is, is the measure of corruption breaking laws? The answer is clearly not. You can be corrupt and just find a way not to break the laws. And I would say to you, when a a politician's son is is raking in uh, millions of dollars and he doesn't have any expertise in that field, but there's only one thing that's going on, he's related to Joe Biden and has the influence and opportunity to introduce people to Joe Biden, that's corrupt. That's called influence peddling. It may not break the law, but it doesn't change the fact that it's corrupt. And that was just the start. That's been around for literally years. But most recently, I don't know if you heard about it, but hunter biden's laptop the story was it was left at a uh, shop to be fixed he never picked it up the shop owner rightfully took legal part of it shared it with the fbi shared it with others it came a a, a news story with the the uh, new york post published the documents published the emails that showed that what joe biden was saying publicly wasn't true that joe biden was very much aware of the business dealings with hunter and in fact was involved with them okay Now, here's what happened. Um, When the New York Post, this should concern all of us, Republican, Democrat, leaning, whatever, but when the New York Post published that, they got censured by Twitter, Google, Facebook, all the big, they they got censured for publishing a party that was based, publishing a story that was based on what apparently is, Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, they have his signature when he dropped it off. No one in the Biden camp said, that's not Hunter's laptop. We don't know where they... There was no denial of that. There was no denial that the emails were authentic. And then what happened was, one of the persons who was mentioned in the emails, and and they were verified by people who received those emails, was a guy named... um, Pronounce his name Tony Jablinski, something like that, okay? He had been recruited by his own testimony by the Biden camp To be the CEO of the family business. And so he says he had had two meetings, and um, you don't have to take my word for it. You can evaluate his own testimony. It's there on YouTube. Just put it in there and watch the hour-long video. None of the major news networks, if you've never heard about this, it might be because you watch ABC or NBC or CBS or um, CNN, because none of them carried it. This is, to me, a significant issue. If there's documentable evidence of making money and and corruption and influencing peddling. Shouldn't people be aware of that however they vote? But the problem is everybody in the media side, almost everybody, is protecting this information from getting out. That's a serious problem. How can you have a democracy when people don't know the news, when they're censured from the news? Now, just for uh, sake of interest, if you think I'm... This is public record, but the... um, the U.S. Senate on Hunter Biden discovered these are well-publicized, documented facts. This is not a political smear campaign. He received $3.5 million wire from Elaine Baturina, apparently the wife of the former mayor of Moscow, okay? Why is P- Hunter Biden receiving $3.5 million as an investment from a foreign country like Russia? We already know at least 1.4 million for work on the board of Burisma, where he had no background, we had no skills in that area, but one and, a, and then 4,790,000 in consulting fees from company tied to Chinese government. So there's documentable evidence from his own emails and from Tony Jablinski that there's been this family business deals with other companies, with, with other countries joe biden came out i saw him on the presidential debates and he made it about character (laughs) he said you know me and you know him and he's a bad guy and i'm the good guy well i would just say both of you have some significant character flaws and um, it's tough to make your decision for one candidate over the other and can i just say this because (laughs) and uh this this troubled me but do you know what brought the ceo tony jablinski out to do an interview was when Adam Schiff, I don't know if you know that name, but this guy is the house of the Intelligence Committee. He's on the highest level of the intelligence of our country. And he came out and he said, oh, all this stuff about uh, Hunter's emails and his laptop, it's all Russian disinformation. Okay, this is coming from the very top level. When Jablinski heard that, that sent him over the, he said, because his name was associated with it. And he had a military background. His family has a military background. He didn't feel it was right or fair or true, that he get associated with, he's been involved with these business dealings, that he be associated with Russian disinformation. So by his testimony, he called up his business partners, he said, look, Schiff has to retract that, or I'm going public with my stuff. And the guy he talked to was part of the business thing, says, oh, if you do that, you're going to bury us all. Don't take my word for it, it's right on the... He has a recording of that. One of the things that's, uh, I think, demonstrable is... His, his thing is, let the American people decide. He says, I don't have any political interest in this, but I'm not going to be smeared as Russian disinformation, and here's the documents, emails, phone text messages, recordings, and his own uh, uh, witness, whether you may um, think it's valid or not, was that he had two meetings with Joe Biden himself where they talked openly about the family business. So Joe Biden can look into the camera, and say, I've received no money from foreign governments, but the document shows that his family has, his brother, his son. And one of the do- one of the emails even talked about a cut going to Joe Biden, who was identified by the people in the... So it's not quite that simple to say... In fact, I think it's disingenuous to say, I've, I've never received any money from a foreign... Go- but my family has gotten really wealthy, and I have a cut in that that maybe when I get out of the presidency he will come into my bank account. He's smart enough to keep it's there. And so my point is simply this. We have two candidates with serious character flaws. And uh, (laughs) with regards to Adam Schiff, uh, any politician, you remember Adam Schiff during the the Mueller report? (laughs) He was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He said over and over again, I saw him on TV saying, we have absolute evidence, we have clear evidence of Trump's collusion with Russia. Trump's collusion with Russia. The Mueller report came out and said there's no evidence of Trump's collusion with Russia. So we've got a guy continually telling us false statements. (laughs) And to me, when I see a politician like that who continually tells false statements, they have no credibility. He comes on. I'm not going to listen to what he says is true. Um, They have their own political agenda. You might love Adam Schiff. I've just been saying that, and and you you might rightfully say, well, the Republicans, they've lied to the public too. And you're probably right. But um, in terms of this as a um, uh, political issue, a ca- the character of the leader, we've got problems with two candidates. And I think most Christians would agree with that. You might say one's worse than the other, but the, the, uh, the reality is um, Christians may agree to disagree on the character issue. As an example of that, if you're interested in following this up, and you probably have more th- important things to do, but last week we said, okay, here's John Piper, a leading pastor, theologian, Christian. Um coming out and saying, I could never vote for Trump on the character issue. One of his best friends wrote back to that, and and it's worth reading because it captures the spirit of brothers in unity with political disagreements. The guy's name is Wayne Grudem, and you can just Google Wayne Grudem, and he came back, and here's the really cool thing, He, he disagreed with his brother, he wrote to his brother whom he loves, and he starts talking about his love and his affection and his respect for his Christian brother, but he says, I've come to a different political view on the character issue. And he actually mail, emailed his uh, blog thing to John Piper for John Piper to read before he went public with it. Talk about respect. And he says, I want to make sure I'm representing you right, but here's where I do. And it's, it's a great example of, and what, on the Trump issue, he says, yeah, I, I don't uh, take issue with the, their character issues with Trump, but here are the positive things. And he kind of, shared the positive things about Trump's character, and that same thing could be done with Biden. Not both of them are pure evil or pure character flaws. Um, It just, I believe, was a fairer analysis and a a, a brother saying, I love you, we're united in Christ, we're both in the King Jesus party, but you can have different views on the candidate and their character, which one's worse, which one's better. Um, In any case, my point this morning is simply this. These are all examples where Christians can lovingly and unitedly disagree when it comes to your vote. But there is another category, and I'm not trying to load the deck, I'm just trying to deal honestly and accurately with God's kingdom values as they're reported in the Scriptures. There are three uh, biblical issues, three kingdom values that all align with the Republican Party, or at least best with the Republican Party. And I want to be honest with you about those. So, uh, political issues where kingdom values side with one party, where they really align with one party and not the other. And the first one is religious freedom. That's a kingdom value. In the book of Acts, when they started telling people about Jesus, the government, the religious leaders, the political leaders said, you can't preach the gospel. And they said, we're going to obey God, not the government. Because we're going to exercise King Jesus' authority uh, above the government. And uh, so... Where that translates into our culture is which party gives the best freedom for us to live out our faith and our convictions? And the answer is fairly clear. It's the Republican Party is stronger on religious freedoms. You want some evidence of that? Um, The the whole issue of of, um, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is designed to protect people of all faiths from living out their religious convictions. The Republicans are strong on that. The uh, Democrats are opposed to that. And the, the one you may have heard of was the court case under the former Democratic administration that went to court because the little sisters of the poor, this Catholic group of nuns who were running a Catholic hospital, their convictions was not to administer abortion drugs and contraceptives. And yet the government was saying, you must do that. They were imposing their the government's view of, of what uh, against the... the the uh, faith convictions of those Catholic nuns. Um, That's what the Democrats have uh, stood for. And um, the, uh, you can look at the, um, you can look at the, their own statements, but the Republican party has been much more in favor of religious freedoms and you being able to live out your own convictions of your faith. Second one is this, the sanctity of marriage. The sanctity of marriage, that's a huge kingdom value. It's God who created male and female and brought them together and gave them the gift of marriage and gave them the opportunity to uh, recreate and make children and and the, the nuclear family, a man and a woman and their children is the social fabric of our culture and it's not just the social fabric of our culture, it's a reflection of who God is because he made them male and female in his image. Jesus affirms the sanctity of marriage. When they asked Jesus about marriage, he, he quoted Genesis. He said, God created the male and the female, and, and, and for this reason a man shall leave his parents and cleave to his wife. The two of them became, become one flesh. The apostle Paul, under the Holy Spirit, affirms the sanctity of marriage. And um, when you apply that kingdom value to the two parties, it comes out much stronger on the Republican side. The Democratic side um, has... Uh, CAST A VISION FOR MARRIAGE WAY BEYOND THE BIBLICAL VALUE. NOW, PLEASE DON'T HEAR ME WRONG. Um, GAY PEOPLE, um, WE NEED TO LOVE, WE NEED TO RESPECT, WE NEED TO to, uh, LOOK OUT FOR THEIR RIGHTS, THEIR SOCIAL RIGHTS, THEIR ECONOMIC RIGHTS, BUT WE DON'T NEED TO LOSE SIGHT OF THE KINGDOM VALUE OF MARRIAGE AS GOD HAS CREATED IT TO BE. AND WE MAY NEVER BE ABLE TO CHANGE, OBVIOUSLY the, THE GAY MARRIAGE IS LEGAL IN OUR SOCIETY, We may never be able to see that change, and that's not our issue. Our issue is to draw people to Jesus. But if we're going to vote for a party that represents kingdom values on marriage, it's going to be on the Republican side, not on the Democrat side. And um, can I just share with you uh, that when, in 2012, some of us are old enough to remember that under Bill Clinton, they actually had the Defense of Marriage Act that protected marriage as between a heterosexual man and a woman. That got long lost. We've got now legalized marriage, uh, gay marriage. And uh, just so you know, Joe Biden in 2012 publicly endorsed gay marriage. In 2016, while he was vice president, I'm just saying this is their viewpoint. This is this candidate's and the Democratic viewpoint. Joe Biden actually performed, officiated, a wedding ceremony between two gay men. And he wrote this on his Twitter. Proud to marry Brian and Joe at my house. Couldn't be happier. Two great guys. So Joe Biden, not just believes in it but but practices it now i'm sorry if you're a joe biden fan but that is not a kingdom value and uh, for those of us that want to hold on to god's kingdom value of marriage in creation taught by jesus inspired by the holy spirit and the apostle paul um, that's going to lean us on that issue towards the republicans the third one and this one uh, may be the most powerful i will leave it to you to decide But it's very clear this is a kingdom value that falls on the Republican side and that's the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. That God is the creator of all life. That all life is sourced in Him. That He knits people together in the womb. Psalm 139. Uh, That people are persons before they're born. You see that with John the Baptist's birth. When when Elizabeth, his mother, goes to meet Mary, says the baby left in her womb when she met Mary. Uh, He's a person. He's not just tissue and um, all of the scriptures the kingdom value is that life is important and to destroy innocent life in the womb that's a great sin that's a great evil and uh, yes our culture has made it legal Uh, and again we don't we should hold these values not with self-righteousness and judgment on others we should be those who as pastor mark mentioned a couple weeks ago we should be there to help young women or whatever woman whatever is journey with them and help care for them through that unwanted pregnancy, help them, and and maybe that's the best way to lessen abortions. So it's not a matter of self-righteousness or pride, but it's recognizing that life is a precious gift from God. And when you come down to the Democrats' view, to the Republicans' view, you couldn't have a starker difference. The Democrats are well on the record for abortion right to the ninth month. And um, for whatever reason, because a woman has a... the. the, the, the right to choose her own decision. Um, the Republicans say, uh, no, we're for restricted abortions and lesser abortions and, and, and uh, have sought to limit abortions where the Democrats are wide open. The Democrats want to use public funds for abortions. Um, that troubles me because I'm a taxpayer and I, I don't feel good about the money I give to the government going to destroy life in the womb um, because that makes me a participant in one sense, a funder of that evil. And it is an evil. And uh, can I just say this? Uh, Joe Biden is on record. There was some legislation shows you just the extreme views that he personally has and others in the Democrat Party. There was legislation that if an abortion was botched, if there was mistakes made in an abortion and a child was actually born alive, there was legislation that that child should receive care from a doctor now that it was born alive. Joe Biden voted against that. It's just a matter of record. And so a a botched abortion and a child is lying there alive on the table and according to his view and the Democrats' view, just let it die. Don't give it any medical care. That's evil. Let's just call it what it is. And can I just give you another example of where this evil is in our culture and where we need to be salt and light in a deteriorating, deteriorating culture? Um... You may have remembered a few years ago in the news there was a an investigative journalist his name was uh remember, David David Deiden. What he did was he he pretended to be um, wanting material from the abortion clinics from Planned Parenthood for research, so he put on a pretense and he met with Planned Parenthood leaders in a restaurant and he secretly filmed them and but you can see them they're on youtube he's got his and, and, and These uh, Planned Parenthood leaders are talking about doing abortions in a manner that protects the destruction of that baby's uh, organs, livers, hearts, because all of those things can be used. And they're they're talking about that, and then there's a higher price for selling those organs that are intact than if they're they're not. And he gets all of this on tape. He exposes what's going on with Planned Parenthood. It's illegal to sell... um, even abortion baby parts, he goes public and guess what happens to tell you what an evil culture we're in. He exposes, and the law is, well, you know, his point is, other investigative journalists go in undercover and they, they show all this bad stuff going on undercover. But, so he did that, he did it undercover, he did it under pretense, but he did it in a public place. He gets prosecuted. The guy who goes in and... and, and, and exposes what's going on with these leaders, he gets prosecuted for false representation. There's no prosecution against Planned Parenthood, the people that are actually doing the abortions, that are trying to protect the body parts, that are selling them to research institutions. None of that is prosecuted. So guess who the prosecuting attorney was in that case? Kamala Harris. Don't take my word for it. Fact check, look at it, but that's exactly what happened. So I look at that and say, that's just evil. Let's call it for what it is. It's evil. And it's in our culture, and it's part of that ticket. And most of us realize with with Joe Biden, his age, his health condition, Kamala Harris is a heartbeat away from the presidency. And so those are kingdom values that we Christians need not be naive about. We need to be informed. We need to have views that aren't arrogant or self-righteous, but we need to hold for God's kingdom values and seek to be salt and light illuminating, pushing back the evil, the darkness in our, in our culture and whatever moral issue that's there, but doing it in Jesus' spirit, not in pride, not in self-righteousness, actually out of love. And that's my final point. Um, how, do we, how then should we vote? Many of us have already voted. If you haven't voted, please vote. Fill out your form. Take it to the bin next to Times Market. Go down to Honolulu Holly. Um, do what you can to be salt and light that influences our culture for good, that influences our culture for God. If all Christians exercise that rope, we we can make a real difference in our culture. And so here's the final point. Vote your kingdom values, but trust in Jesus. (laughs) Trust in Jesus. Whatever happens on Tuesday uh, or in the next week after that, how long it takes, Jesus is going to remain as king. We need to pray for whomever will be president. We need to work for Jesus kingdom in our country whoever the reigning political party is so all of that will continue but when we vote and we hold these kingdom values hold them with love for people that's Jesus kingdom agenda and some of them I have to be honest make me angry I don't like it when a politician looks into the camera and lies to my face when when the documents with the evidence say what what you're saying is just absolutely not true that makes me angry that (laughs) makes me want to hate that person and hate that party and even when people sin and when and, and you may feel the same way with trump when 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 either one gets on there and says stuff that you know isn't true and you feel your heart filled with anger and frustration just remember love and forgive people and um, pray for people and pray with jesus because uh, Apostle Paul puts it this way in First Corinthians 13. We believers might have the right kingdom values and the right truth, and we should have because God has revealed that in his word. But if we don't have love in our hearts, guess what we got? Nothing. <laughs> That's what First Corinthians 13 says. You can have all the right biblical values. You can have all right to kingdom values. But if you're operating out of pride or self-righteousness or even anger, yeah, there might be some righteous anger, but... You have just disqualified yourself from Jesus' kingdom party in that moment. And so hang on to Jesus, trust him. Tuesday morning, whatever happens with the election, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to be members of his party. We're going to be seeking to be salt and light in our culture, whatever happens. But at the same time, we can stand for Jesus' kingdom values in our hope. And we have the opportunity to do so. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we bow this morning, and again, we just affirm with gratitude that we belong to a political party, we belong to a family, we belong to a community that transcends any country, transcends any political party, transcends any political issue. What a gift you've given us, Jesus, to be sons and daughters of the King. So we hold on to that. We pray by your Holy Spirit you would help us to, to see the political climate in our country both before Tuesday and after Tuesday. Through the lenses of our faith, which means through the lens of following our King Jesus in all of these ways. Of we love you. We pray that this week your will would be done, that your kingdom would come on earth, that your wisdom would prevail, but whatever happens.